G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day, everyone. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast as we uh, power our way through Footy Fest, as we're calling it. And this is another of those uh, quasi preview review shows. We will be reviewing some of round 10 and previewing some of round 11. Uh, the day is Thursday, the month is August, I think the year's 2020, and in Melbourne, we're still in lockdown. As I say, very good morning to my co-host, Mark Fine. How are you going, Finey? I'm well, yeah, but still in lockdown today, really, this morning marks the start of, in Melbourne metropolitan area, the genuine lockdown stage four restrictions with all retail stores closed, barred those deemed to provide essential services. So even from yesterday, Wednesday in Melbourne, a stark difference. There's no shops open, a lot of businesses, uh, manufacturing businesses and and factories aren't even working. Construction has been reduced. So for those of you living in the rest of Australia, uh, we are a country apart here in Melbourne, not even Victoria, but Melbourne in particular, a very different world. So Football becomes pretty important, actually. It's the one thing every night for fans that uh, love the game that marks a difference between one day to the next. It's very important, Rowan. Of course it is. That's what we're here to talk about. I'll tell you, one thing that will never change, though, Finey, is the loyalty and support of our wonderful sponsors. A beautiful burger, a brilliant burger. That's what Andrew's Burgers makes. And... How comforting to know in these times, though, of course, with the restrictions in Melbourne, you must live in a five-kilometre radius that you can still enjoy. And Andrew's Hamburger, unchanged by conditions. That's how strong and how... It's foundations, isn't it, Rowan? It's foundations built over 81 years. 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park. It'll be that same beautiful burger, and there'll be something... Not just satisfying to the stomach, but to the soul as well when you bite into an Andrew's hamburgers over the next two weeks, I would have thought. I couldn't agree more. And speaking about solid foundations, you need them for any self-respecting house finding. And when you need a, a little bit of a touch-up, where do you go? I'll tell you what, they there have been changes to the construction industry, but because of the bespoke nature of West Point Properties and Nick Bartels, their uh, director manager has guaranteed all those builds are continuing and if you do want some great work done on your house in the inner city area of southeastern melbourne uh, get in the queue at the moment that's how busy they are and i can tell you that uh, we know that there's a huge football connection with uh, west point properties and dyson heppel's home scott Pendlebury, mike sheehan and i can tell you that uh, a couple of the boys on the tools i've been reliably told a couple of uh, ex-grade AFL footballers in Matthew Goose Maguire and his brother-in-law, Luke Ball. Oh, 
celebrity cast. All right. Uh, thank you to our wonderful sponsors. We've got a heap of games to review and preview. Let's get into it. On Footyology, Newsfeed. All right, well, before we get into the nitty-gritty of a whole host of games, a bit of news going on and uh, naturally it all surrounds hub life and and footy fest. Um, I guess, finally, uh, look, I mean, I'd forgive people for not knowing exactly where we are with stuff, but um, some teams are going to have to pack up and move very shortly. I guess the ones who face the biggest upheaval to a routine they've become used to are probably the two West Australian sides who, after starting off the season over in Queensland, uh, they're soon going to be going back there. That's right. Round 13 is the expected last date of a home and away game in WA and maybe a game in total because uh, strong suggestions that there will be finals but played in Queensland possibly, uh, precluding any games in the West. What we have now, therefore, will be post-round 13, 16 teams based in Queensland because the New South Wales and Victorian teams are already there and, of course, the Queensland teams and only Adelaide and Port Adelaide remaining in their home state because they can travel to and from Queensland freely as can Queensland and uh, teams in the South Australia. So there will be a, a sort of portion of Australia designated for Australian rules football in which everybody can move around as long as you are based in either Queensland or South Australia and that will be South Australia, Queensland, Northern Territory may be used and remember when we say Queensland that now there are indications that that could include Northern Queensland. So no planned football anymore in Victoria, New South Wales and WA, of course Tasmania as well is the latest intel from the AFL, and that means the WA teams will have to be um, sort of flexible. We know teams have been flexible, but they will have to wrap their head around saying goodbye in the bulk to their family and friends and spending the rest of the football season away from a long way away from Perth. I wonder if people are taking that enough into account when they're you know, sort of throwing forward and speculating about who may end up winning this whole thing. And I, I'll probably put my hand up here because I think the you know, West Coast have been looking very, very ominous for a while. But, you know, given how poorly they started the season over in Queensland, I guess, you know, how, how much of a buffer do they need? Now, as it stands now, with what a game in hand, they are, as we speak, sixth on the ladder. Uh, with six wins, um, you know, I wonder if they go sort of 50-50 for the rest of their games, is that going to be enough? Um, you know, it's things like that. It's really hard to sort of take into account throwing forward, isn't it? Well, I think a lot of people assumed, ourselves included, that once they return back to Perth, that's where they would play the bulk of their football. And we know how hard they are to beat at Optus Oval. Uh, this now suggests that they'll be in as difficult a position as all the Victorian teams and our New South Wales teams are, if not more so, because they're a long way from home. And, yes, it does make it more difficult. And it, as we sit here today, the team that stands out probably as most 
comfortable in the draw or fixture as it will be presented for the rest of the year. Maybe Port Adelaide, a bit of Brisbane. And I'm not saying, you know, that's not saying that um, our tip or certainly your tip and I've come to the party would be Richmond anyhow, but I'm just saying that Port Adelaide now look very hard to remove from the top two, don't they? They do, they do. I mean, look, West Coast, like Frio, obviously another two games left at home. So uh, in West Coast case, that's against what Carlton and Hawthorne, uh, neither of them gimmies. Um, but, you know, they've got six wins up now. Uh, they win both of them. That gives them eight with uh, how many games left? That would be... Gee, uh, six games left. Five or six, yeah, six. Yeah. So, yeah, it's probably enough, isn't it? I mean, top four is important because it's a double chance. But maybe given the nature of uh, the fact that most teams in the finals will have sort of a neutral home ground situation, maybe playing and winning it from outside the top four is more possible than previously. I don't know. As until these things happen, we're not a hundred percent sure what's happening, are we? And how it plays and how it plays out on the football field. It's curious. Well, well, not not only are we not a hundred percent sure what's going to happen, we're not a hundred percent sure what the fixture is. That's what I mean. I'm saying we don't know where these games are going to be, where the finals are going to be, what the philosophy to finals will be. Well, will the South Australian and Queen? Well, but. Well, I think we could exclude Adelaide. Well, Port Adelaide and Brisbane and maybe Gold Coast, um, will they get home ground finals even if they're not the highest ranked team? How does it work? I'm I'm not quite sure what the philosophy will be. For example, let's say we are going to have a grand final in Queensland. If Brisbane make it but they're not the highest ranked team, is the game at Metricon? Just philosophically? Yeah, well, you've got the, uh, I guess you've got the capacities to consider there, don't you? I mean, um, capacity of the Gabba's around uh, 40, isn't it? What, what's the capacity of Metricon? But it depends how many they let in. We've seen numbers actually reduced from uh, at certain grounds. I, I'm not 100% sure if, if Victoria doesn't shrug this situation, I don't think the rest of Australia are going to be allowing full ground. So capacity becomes... I guess capacity does govern even how many people are allowed in there at reduced capacity, though, doesn't it? Because it's about, yeah. it's about social distancing. All right. Well, uh, as you can detect, a lot of speculation from us. Or one thing we don't need to speculate on because we're well into it now is the whole footy fest concept um, so it started on, what, the 29th of July, so a bit over a week ago now. It was 33 games across 20 days, so we've now had uh, eight playing days and I think 13 games. Um, so as we speak to you last night, of course, we're coming off a double header. Uh, how do you reckon everyone's holding up with this marathon finally because I've got to be honest uh, last night's two games uh, I did uh, you know for professional reasons I hung in there but uh, gee some games I'm finding it hard to um, give my full attention. (laughs) I I actually believe that 
footy fans are seeing more of other teams than they ever have in their lives. We we're in a bit we're in a bit of a bubble, aren't we, Rowan? I mean, we work broadcasting or um, opining on football, and as a matter of course, over most of our professional careers in this industry, we've watched all the games on the weekend. But that is not the lot of most football fans. Nevertheless, with a in Melbourne, I'm talking about a lockdown situation and a curfew that doesn't allow you out after eight o'clock. The point of difference, really, for many Melbournians will be watching a game of football. If they enjoy the sport, they'll be seeing more teams than I think they ever have in their life. And that's that's good. That's an, It'll broaden uh, people's knowledge, hopefully, on the game and on other clubs and on other players. Further to that point, I love it. There's a bit of a routine now in the house, and we're stepping sort of marching in tune, which is good. It's um, dinner being prepared. We start that about 4.30. Dinner, whole family, that's six of us eating at around 6.15, 6.30. And then football after 7. If there's a game that starts earlier, then the family TV excuses the normal hot seat uh, into the news or modern family combinations thereabouts. And football does take a bit of precedence because I do it for work. I'm just enjoying it. I just think um, it's nice, that, that, especially because after 8 o'clock you're not allowed out of your home, that coming into your home is a different game of footy or two games of footy every night. That being said, uh, not everybody has Foxtel, and it's a real luxury, especially in these times, and uh, that's been a bit of a help, hasn't it? All right, well, I'll ask you this. I was just thinking of the, of the 13 games we've seen so far, which ones stick in your head? Now, for me, uh, probably two standouts. One, the West Coast Geelong game, which was a, a good standard and a, a cracking game with a, a exciting finish. Um, the other one, not necessarily one of the greatest games, although actually, no, it was. It was really good to watch and it swung, which I think has been a rarity, and that was the Carlton Hawthorne game in which the Blues got five goals up and then the Hawks went wooshka and uh, ended up having a really good win. I mean, I've really enjoyed them, um, and I think we've seen a greater variety of games too, fewer games now which conform to that same pattern of low score, one side gets out in front and then it's all over. I mean, which of the games you've enjoyed most so far? Yeah, definitely West Coast Geelong has been a standout. Uh, Fremantle-Collingwood, an interesting game, nowhere near the same standard, but a similar sort of um, uh, compelling game to watch, especially because a, a young n- combination of young and sort of recycled Fremantle team that really, you would have thought, had to have Michael Walters and Fife playing to be any hope of being a Collingwood. Played Collingwood with a few key players missing themselves, and um, it was nowhere near as uh, good a quality game as the other game that was played in Perth a couple of days earlier, but it was still compelling. I've also definitely been drawn to the two Richmond wins because it has signalled two things, the flexing of their muscle back into favouritism for the flag and also welcome back the very best Dustin Martin. And we know that Dusty has been sort of um, 
a bit hobbled by injury or soreness at certain times over the last two or three years and, and tried to really make sure that he hits the finals in good nick and learnt that in 2018. But we are seeing a pretty, maybe it's the shorter quarters, but we're seeing an explosive back-to-best Dustin Martin, and that's made those two Richmond games good watching. And of no course, doubt about and, that. And anything with my own team is always memorable. Yeah, I'm not talking about mine. Um, all right, uh, we'll talk about all that stuff in detail. Time for our review of the start of round 10. On Footyology, wrap around. Okay, we kicked off on Monday evening at Adelaide Oval with Port Adelaide taking on the Western Bulldogs and a 13-point win to the power in the finish. Eight goals, seven 55, defeating the Doggies, an inaccurate Western Bulldogs, 5-12-42. For the victors, two goals to Dixon, two to Gray, and for the Doggies, only three goal kickers for them, but uh, two each to Lloyd and McLean. Uh, this is a game, finally, which was uh, pretty even at halftime. In fact, the Doggies leading by three points, pretty low-scoring Scrappy affair, but uh, a big third quarter from the power. They held the doggies to just the one point while slamming on four themselves, 4-3. And uh, scrappy again in the last quarter. Uh, doggies kicked two to one, but uh, that third quarter proved the decisive burst of footy. Uh, you want, you're starting to wonder about the doggies a bit. They're very up and down and uh, pretty erratic. But Port, yes, they've had a couple of stumbles, but even in those stumbles, I think it's fair to say they've played some decent footy, but um, didn't stumble in this one. They were very impressive. And some of those kids to the fore, again, Zach Butters, arguably best on ground in this one. And Laddams in the ruck, uh, the guy who looks like the villain out of a diehard movie, he is looking increasingly impressive and uh, good performance from him as well. And this guy we've mentioned a bit, he's just a steady improver, but he is definitely one of their best 22 these days, and that is Carl Amon. Pretty impressed by him as well. Not so the doggies. Jack McRae, a real warrior for them. He ended up with uh, a heap of the ball, but uh, didn't get enough support midfield. Uh, Liberatore gave it a decent crack. Uh, East Baldwin's finest mullet, Bailey Smith, always gives it a crack but uh, not enough going their way. And uh, the power, pretty impressive again, finding. Yeah, they were. This was one, I think, though, that the doggies would say maybe got away because at halftime they had ample opportunity to be far further ahead. Now, post-game, Luke Beveridge, look, he didn't turn on Jason Johannesson, but he pointed out that in this very tight scoring game, twice Jason had opened the door for Port Adelaide to get key goals through poor turnovers. And they came just at the wrong times. They came in that third quarter as they surged to the lead. But more importantly, even than that, was the one in the second quarter that just gave the power a little bit of momentum going into the halftime break when really, had he hit the target, they were off to the races. And we're talking a two-goal turnaround in a low-scoring game. Had they been 15 points up at half time. That might have become a very difficult mountain to climb. The big problem for 
Bulldogs wasn't getting the ball into the forward line. It was getting the ball through the goals. And Josh Bruce, he had a mare, uh, commented by Jason Dunstall, who was covering the game, that he has lost all confidence to the point where Dunstall said, I've never seen a player lose confidence so badly. The first mark Bruce went for on the evening, he went for one-handed. And that set the tone. He only had one kick and one handball for the night. He dropped chest marks. He was trying, but you could just see... You see the look on his face, you know, having watched Josh in 99 games for St Kilda, you get to know when a player's up and about and when a player's not feeling his best just by his look. And he looked like a worried man. I don't know if he holds his place in that side. It's um, become problematic even with Norton out of the team. As you say, Port Adelaide, Zach Butters was fantastic. Was he what? Gee, he went into the midfield, got a lot of the ball, played... A great game of football. Adams, excellent. As English looked a little bit better and needed to be short-circuited. Again, that Port Adelaide backline isn't that reliable. Cleary and Jonas are very hard customers, hard nuts to crack, and they combine well with Darcy Byrne-Jones and others to make sure that there's good transfer of the play. Your One of your favourites, Hamish Hartland, I think plays a big role in that, Rowan. It's... um. Uh, Port Adelaide team that withstood a fair old barrage physically. They threw everything at them, Bulldogs. This was a must-win game for the Doggies if they were seriously going to enter the discussion about going somewhere post-season, not just making the finals, but being a, a serious player. So Bulldogs threw everything at them, and they withstood it and withstood it well. Well done, Port Adelaide. Yeah, well, you've got to, uh, speaking about holding your place, you've really got to wonder about the Doggies now. They're at Five five. They can't. Everything seems to happen in twos for them. So they they lost their first two, albeit those games were months apart. But then one three, and then loss two wins in a row. Now two losses on end. Uh, I think we're both sort of decided they're just not reliable enough a proposition, really, are they, in terms of doing something meaningful at the end of a season? No, they're not. They're starting to look like a team that can sort of beat the sides below them that are pretty well stuck there and struggle against the teams that are better than them. All right. Well, that is the first of our games to review. That was Monday night. Let's talk about Tuesday night. Tuesday evening, this one's shaped as uh, the biggest game of this week, definitely, and it was a rematch of last year's qualifying final Different venue, though, at Metricon Stadium, Richmond, taking on Brisbane. Uh, and, well, I've been saying this for a while, Finey. It's not rocket science. Uh, when things click, pretty hard to beat Richmond as the best team in the competition. And this was a powerful performance. They ended up 41-point victors over Brisbane. 12 goals, 10 82, defeating a ridiculously inaccurate Brisbane for 17, 41. The goal kickers, and this is ominous, four goals to Jack Rewalt, three goals to Tom Lynch. So seven between the Twin Towers, two to Jake Arts. Um, very, very impressive by the week now. And for Brisbane, only single goal kickers. Still pretty even at quarter time, although you just suspected the Tigers were getting on top there the way they finished off that first term. And that was certainly realised in the second with five goals to 1-5 for Brisbane. Uh, 
Uh, in fact, come half time, the inside 50s were exactly level at 22 each. And yet the Tigers led by the best part of or close to five goals. And uh, it just continued from there. Um, Brisbane, in fact, with each miss, you could just see their confidence absolutely waning. Uh, standouts for me, uh, no doubt, Dustin Martin. Just uh, that was that was one of Dusty's best games, I reckon. He he picked up a swag of the ball. He had nine score involvements, uh, didn't kick a goal, but in those score involvements, I, th- I think three direct goal assists and arguably the pass of the season. That uh, artistic. Uh, brush with the outside of the right boot onto the chest of teammate Jack Higgins, I think, during the third quarter. Beyond that, though, uh, Shy Bolton, terrific again out of midfield. Gee, having a great season. Uh, William Baker, pretty impressive. Jaden Short, ditto. And uh, speaking about the defence, Noah Bolter. And uh, I remember hearing Damien Hardwick the other week sort of making the Alex Rance comparison, and I thought, geez, you're not backward and coming forward. Well, I'm certainly seeing, uh, not in stature, but in the way they play, he's such an athletic beast, Bolter. And I think his football mouse and judgment is really, really improving rapidly in a short space of time. Brisbane, well, Lockie Neal is always at the forefront of anything they do. And he uh, tried valiantly. McInerney gave it a crack. But uh, beyond that, I mean, look, bottom line is you're not going to win many games of footy if you're kicking four goals, 17. And their conversion uh, at the moment is uh, a Barry Crocker, Finey. What did you make of this one? They kicked the first two goals, Brisbane. So you can imagine how poor the rest of the evening was for them, eh? The cheapest really struggled to... Look, 4-17 is terrible, but they struggled to get a lot of easy shots of goal. They were well held by the Richmond defence. You pointed out... Quite rightly, the Bolter had a very good game. Liam Baker, Nathan Broad is a tough customer to handle as well, defensively at least. They were well served by Mubyul Chol. He's got a future, doesn't he? Just did a few things, kicked a point in that second quarter, I think, or third quarter, where he bust through a few tackles, kicked it around his body, missed it, but that was ominous stuff. He's a pretty good second ruckman, good foil. Rewalt was in... On good terms with himself, wasn't he? Really enjoyed the game. Kicked beautifully around the corner to make the most of all his, his opportunities. Lynch looked dangerous. Martin, we can eulogise about him uh, for the entire program and not do him justice, I reckon. How about that first point that he kicked? Well, we thought it was a goal, but in the end there was a tiny finger smother on it where he uh, went up for a marking contest. Sort of got beaten. It looked like he was out of the contest, but... Through brute strength, regained the ball, regained his footing, regained composure, and to all extents and purposes, kicked a magnificent goal. Just touched off the boot, as indicated by, quite correctly, by the uh, score review, which I think, by the way, the bunker's working quite well. Actually, the arc, or whatever it's called. How do you reckon it's going? I think it's um, been smooth enough, the arc, just worth it. Yeah, no, that's a fair observation, actually, because there's been a a regular roll call of incidents, but uh, very... Few complaints in recent weeks. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, I remember the Martin one you're talking about. In fact, I tweeted something and then had to delete it immediately after they reversed the decision. 
I, I just, you know, I love watching a guy who is that graceful in a way and silky skilled, but is also so powerful. And the fact that it's sort of captured within a, uh, you know, pretty uh, rough and ready looking exterior is just, God, he's a great player. And, oh. you know, like it's, it's hardly a great revelation, is it? But I, I just, uh, even now, I watch him and every time I watch him, I, I really do realise we're watching one of the, the best all time great. Of players. Of all the, uh, time yeah. great. Yeah, oh, he, is, he, really, he, is. he really is. Why? Because, look, they have a look at his contemporaries. Bontempelli is a great player, but... Now, the but with Bontempelli is he's, he's not a great shot at goal and um, will never be a serious threat down forward because of that, I don't believe, even if he's the right size... And I don't think he can, I think he plays midfield really well, goes forward and doesn't do the resume all that much good. Nate Fife, fantastic footballer, also not a great shot of goal. We saw that on the on the main stage against Hawthorne in a granny. And a brilliant footballer, don't get me wrong. But just not anywhere near as damaging in the forward line. Patrick Cripps needs to work through tags a bit better. Has that sort of same power as uh, our man Dusty, but again, not a great shot of goal and not a real threat on the scoreboard. Dustin Martin, I believe, would comfortably, in the current climate, win the Coleman medal if he played forward all year. What do you think about that? Oh, I think it very likely. Yeah, he's, he's strength in the one-on-one contest uh, as good, if not better, than anyone's, including the certified... Uh, key position players. Um, the the uh, other other uh, bloke that could do that is Dangerfield, but again, he doesn't, not quite as creative or damaging in the forward line, even though he has been good there at times as Dusty. So I'd say Paddy's the closest, but Dusty beats him for power, strength and forward ability, not by a huge margin, but by enough. All right, very quickly, one word, is Richmond going to win the flag? Yeah. Yes, when I say yes, uh, they're better placed than anybody else because they're a brilliant team. And just on Brisbane, we've seen the last two years that they've been really well served by having a, a very fit list. We saw that list tested this week because of a bit of injury, a bit of suspension, a bit of management, and they don't have a whole heap of depth if that's where, you know, great that they can bring an Alex Witherden in and, and an Answorth, but then uh, who was that number 40 who played in the back line? Uh, Payne. Yeah, uh, not up to AFL as yet. And, you know, Balladin's a week. He'll be all right in due course. Kicks like a mule, but uh, not quite the sort of depth of some of the other power teams. So they need to stay fit and healthy to win a flag. All right. Uh, I think I asked for a one-word answer. I got 101, but well, well done. All right. Uh, that's uh, the Tigers. Uh, very impressive win. Bill Head on Wednesday. All right, Geelong taking on North Melbourne. This was a 5.40 start. Um, and the cat actually pretty reasonable first quarter by both teams. Uh, four goals to the Cats, three to North Melbourne. But the longer this went, the further the Cats pulled away. And in the end, a pretty convincing 33-point win, 13-12-90, feeding 9-57. Certainly clicked for the Cats up forward. Four goals to Brian Myers, three to Tom Hawkins, two to Zach Guthrie. Um, a bit of novelty about that. Uh, singles the rest, the only multiple for the Roos. Uh, debutante 
Lockie Hosey, who uh, kicked two in the first term, actually. Great first quarter debut by him. But, um, I mean, look, pretty easy to explain this one for me, just the gap in class between two teams. And I do want to say this, Fanny, uh, you can pick up the bulk of this, but I did tweet this at one stage. And for a footy tweet, this one got a lot of support. And it was just something that Hawkins did. Oh, the pass is a beautiful pass where he just pivoted onto his left foot and uh, fired off a pass. I can't actually remember who marked it now, but it resulted in a goal. And I was just thinking, for a guy that big, his mobility and his skills are superb. And I reckon, finally, we're going to look back when Tomahawk retires and wonder if he got enough kudos over the journey. Because, geez, he's been a great player. 14 seasons now, I think 200 and 60-odd games, two All-Australian gongs. He's won a best and fairest, turned a grand final. But I reckon over the last, you know, six, seven years, his consistency week in, week out has been pretty phenomenal. I agree. And and he provides a template for the modern footballer, and that is as you get older, you need to shed weight. You You have to make sure that you remain as capable of being fast and mobile, even if you're a big man, as possible. So it used to be a case back in the day. I remember the last player that mucked this up at St Kilda was Jeff Cunningham. As he got older, he put on, decided to get stronger, thought that would help him through his latter years, and it just brought the end, the finish line closer because he got a lot of soft tissue injuries. Hawkins, I, remember, I sort of remember the game. It was that game a couple of years ago at uh, then-skilled stadium against Carlton where he just got an enormous amount of possessions, marks up on the wing and became far more mobile because there had been a question about his mobility and his willingness to work around the ground. And he answered that in no short order then and has kept on his bike ever since. So more power to the Tomahawk. This game was... Oh, there's a couple of things that need to be discussed. The the um, sort of cho- choice not to rest Paddy Dangerfield or manage him, but to play him and not play him out of the centre until they got within two and a half goals in the last quarter. That was his first centre bounce of the night. He duly grabbed the ball out of the centre, kicked it, and Geelong got a goal. So uh, North Melbourne probably happy with that management. But a way of letting Paddy Dangerfield uh, get through a game of football without suffering the rigours of real bash and crash midfield play. So that was, I think, a good initiative by Chris Scott. Well, a lot of people were interested, myself included, as to how Ben Brown would return from what Rich Shaw described as a circuit breaker. Not what we were hoping for. A knee injury, apparently at this stage, not as a major knee injury, but certainly a knee injury enough to end his night and put some frowns on North Melbourne people's faces. Magjack Dorr looked good, but he too copped a knock during the game which was a worry, but he's a good player, isn't he, Magic? Offers you many, has many strings to his bow, ruck, forward or back. So uh, great to see him playing again. And North Melbourne, I thought they were pretty game with some kids in the team. Hosey and uh, and little um, Scott, I thought, played a good game. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been impressive in the last few weeks. What yeah. about the, just, just quickly... I've been really taken aback at the, you know, should Ben Brown be traded talk. I mean, like, geez, we're 
we're quick to turn on people. He, he's been, yeah, I mean, he's he's having an ordinary season. You know, it happens. But like one ordinary season, this guy's been a pretty reliable spearhead for them. Uh, he goes, well, what what's he replaced with? Yeah. First of all, what can you replace him with? But the question is, even when he was... And that, he's a very good footballer. He'd be snapped up by some teams, wouldn't Essendon, like Ben Brown at the moment. But his way of playing... See, he's just a lead-up forward, isn't he, really? He's all about being on the lead. I don't think he's a very good competitive... Um, he's, not in the, he's not a pack-busting um, type of bring, bring the ball to the ground forward. So how well have North done even when he's won the Coleman medal? That's what they have to assess. And apparently they have been open to talk from other clubs already about moving him on. So even though the speculation may seem premature, I think structurally North Melbourne are not scared to try something a bit different. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. It's just funny, though. I was just thinking as you said that is just as well that uh, today's mentality didn't apply in the late 60s, early 70s. Because, I mean, Peter Hudson kicked two or three bags of 100 goals. Hawthorne didn't make the finals, you know. Should they, would there have been stories about Hawthorne should trade Hudson? No, no. But that, it's, it was very different. Because we're talking about one-on-one play there. It is important that forwards, just have a look at Taylor Walker. You can do a lot more as a big forward for your forward line than just marking and kicking the ball. You have to you have to make it you know, you have to make sure that the ball gets to the ground and be and have forwards that believe you're going to do that because they work to your feet. Ben Brown roams he's a beautiful kick, but he roams far and wide on long leads. He's not the sort of guy he can stick it up to. But that's why Larky was such a good foil for him. And to be fair to Brown, he hasn't played with Larky this year. So I think that's where the injustice is coming. All right. So that was the first of the two Wednesday night games. Let's talk about the second. Well, this uh, had a sort of macabre appeal about it. Uh, The winless Adelaide taking on the pretty vulnerable-looking Melbourne. Uh, Could the Crows get their first win? Uh, Would the bells start tolling for Melbourne coach Simon Goodwin if the Demons got done? Well, wasn't a factor in the end. Uh, And in in fact, an emphatic in the end win to the Demons. 13-10, 88 by 51 points over the Crows. 5-7-37 for the Ds. Three to Wiedemann and two to Jackson, pretty impressive up forward. Two to Melksham, two to Viney and two to Fritch. Seedsman, the only multiple goal kicker for the Crows, who were within um, uh, two goals. Five or five points at half time. Two goals goals at three quarter quarter time. But uh, yeah, it all came apart in that last term, didn't it? Seven three to the Demons, a procession and just a one straight. To the Crows. Actually, I'll throw this to you. It's a pretty good question. Should our perception of this game and uh, both teams be coloured by that last quarter, or should we put more stock in the first three? Uh, the last quarter was a culmination of where the game was headed. I mean, Melbourne did a very good job in that third quarter as well because Adelaide kicked two behinds for the quarter and they came very, very late. Melbourne really controlled that quarter, just didn't get 
It was played between the arcs a bit, but if this is possible, controlled between the arcs by Melbourne. No, Melbourne were, Melbourne were in control of this game, mainly because Clayton Oliver was brilliant. Oh, did he have a good game. We sort of pointed out that Clayton, and we've discussed it, that just getting the ball from a clearance and handballing it straight away doesn't clear the clearance or set much up, but uh, he was really putting a few quick paces between him and his opponents before he did anything with the ball. That's because Adelaide got a fairly slow midfield. Adelaide not going to win a game this season, Robin. They will not win a game. They can't. That forward line doesn't have any hope of kicking a winning score. And as long as their coach... and I'm not even going to go at Matthew Nix. Matthew Nix will not be judged on this first season at Adelaide. He will build the list that he wants, and it will not look like this list. This list is a combination of un, under-resourced because of that stupid Bryce Gibbs decision cost them two first-round draft picks. That's a big hole. Um, and it's got some ageing players that are not ageing gracefully, unfortunately, especially those runners out of the back line. But he's making no effort to win games. He made no effort. Last night was a winnable game because Melbourne aren't, a big scoring team generally. And as you say, for three quarters, it was within arm's distance. The problem was, Taylor Walker didn't take a mark and couldn't get a kick, right? And Fogarty looked a little bit dangerous. Seedsman had kicked a couple. So what, what are they crying for if they want to win this game? Matthew Nix obviously has no interest in winning this game. They needed somebody who could take a mark in the forward line. Now, they had Dodie and Kelly in the back line. Surely they can play on two kids like Wiedemann and uh, the young Ruckman that you mentioned, Jackson. Wouldn't you give Talia, who actually was marking the ball really well, wouldn't you swing him forward and give yourself a marking target if you wanted to win a game in one of your last chances to win a game? Because they've played both of the teams in the bottom half of the eight. But he had no interest whatsoever in looking for an in-game solution to that to that result, and I don't understand it. All right, so... Um... I reckon they will win a game. I know it doesn't look like it now after last night, but they will because someone always does. In fact, the last time no one, uh, the last time a team won no games at all, it was so long ago. It was before you or I were born, Fonny. It was 1964. Yeah, Fitzroy. It was Fitzroy. Someone somewhere along the line over the next six or seven games will have an absolute shocker and the Crows will get a sniff and. They will win. Mark my words. No way. This is a shortened season, remember. They've got five less games than normal to win that, and it's often those last few games where teams pick up the opportunity. Remember that this season everybody only plays everybody once, and everybody mm. wants to play Adelaide once and beat them. So, you know, this was a pressure game for Melbourne. They came here with the target on their backs, put there by their president. The whole football world was watching. They were nervous for the first half. But they just said, we have got to bloody beat Adelaide. Now, come on. And they did. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> there's no way Adelaide is going to kick a winning score with that philosophy. What do you say about the idea that um, they should have swung a marking for somebody up forward, uh, like a Talia, say Talia, I think that's who it should have been, to try and win this game? Because they took one mark in forward 50. They, they, kicked, they took one mark there. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, I certainly agree with your thinking and I can't, right at this stage, I, I can't frame a logical argument why they will win a game. I just think they'll win a game because someone, because they always do. Someone, 
Now, last word on this one. So, how much chance do we give Melbourne of a finals finish? They're 4 5. So, well, they've got a game in hand. Yeah, they have got a game in hand. Uh, I'm prepared to rule them out. I yep, just think yep. there's too many in the queue ahead of them. Yep, yep. Remember, for three quarters, obviously, I don't rate Adelaide too highly. For three quarters, they were finding it hard to shrug them off. Hmm. Yeah, their forward, right. their forward line's not great, <laughs> Melbourne's. All right, so uh, a line through both those teams in in terms of finals, yep. uh, according to us. All right, that is our reviews. Uh, let's do some previews. On Footyology. Previews with Punch. All right, another double header Thursday evening. That's tonight as we record this. And the first of those two games at the Gabba, 5 40 p.m. Gee, that's a weird time to start a game. Is Collingwood taking on Sydney Finey and uh, some team news there for the Pies. A debutante looming their way, Trey Rusco. And I don't know if you saw it, but uh, jump on Twitter and make sure you do. It is a video of Trey ringing his mum or FaceTiming his mum to tell her about his selection. And she is a classic. She first chastises him for not uh, ringing her more frequently. And then after he tells her he's making his debut, her, re- her response is, what, did everyone fall over, did they? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> She's a gem. No, you've got to have a look at the video. It's a classic. I like but, that. Uh, I like that. Great, great news for Trey. Um, he is one of four changes also coming in, Jordan Roughhead, uh, Callum Brown, and Ben Reid. Good to see Ben Reid back. Out, omitted, uh, Keane, Varco, Maine, and Darcy Cameron. For the Swans, uh, Ryan Clark omitted, Taylor omitted, Blakey omitted. He's struggling for form. Sam Gray omitted. And in is Stevens, Thurlow, Millican, and... Another debutante, Sam Wicks. Um, look, the Pies are struggling. We know that. The Swans are struggling as well, although they're, they're having a decent crack at it. What happens in this one, Fawny? Oh, you know what? Swans had a good crack against St Kilda for three quarters but got overrun in the end. And I think they are now consigned to their lot for this season, which is uh, not playing finals and having a look at their young list. Nick Blakey had to step aside. Interesting. Gee, he looked brilliant in his first season last year. Was last year's first season or the year before? Who's that? Nick Blakey. Yeah, last year. Yeah, he looked fantastic. Uh, these things happen. Uh, sort of second-year blues for various reasons. He's a long way from home, I guess, on, in, in, on two accounts. He first moves up to Sydney and then he gets taken out of there, thrown up to Brisbane. That's a, a lot for a young man to chew over as his form was poor, as his form is poor. Uh, so he'll bounce back. He's going to be a great player, but not yet. It means, look, those guys that they're brought into the side are not going to put much fear into Collingwood in terms of firepower, etc., Good to see both Reeds playing. The, lots being made of the Kings twins playing in the game after, but very rare to Sam Reed and Ben Reed take the field, let alone against each other. That'll be good, won't it? Yeah, it will. It will. Uh, for Mr. and Mrs. Reed particularly. Who's, who's well, going to win? They can play each other, but maybe not because Ben will go forward. Oh, Collingwood. You have to tip Collingwood in this. Uh, 
Pepley last week, and he had mitigating circumstances, a very difficult week. And we see this is the thing about being away from your um, circle of friends and family, which is your support structure. So he had a passing of a friend again in these difficult times. A very sad issue that was. And these are it's very hard for these kids, they're, they're all kids, to take the field every week and perform. And Papley's been brilliant, but he'll come under scrutiny again in terms of attention because that's where you need to short-circuit that team. And Collingwood, I think, will have too many answers in the finish. Yep, Collingwood for me as well. And the second game on Thursday evening, 8-10, uh, down the road. Well, down the road, I don't know, 50Ks or 60Ks or whatever it is, uh, at Metricon Stadium. And a home game, a bona fide home game for Gold Coast taking on St Kilda. Although uh, not quite the appetising prospect you might have thought only a couple of weeks ago because the Suns, a bit more resilient this version, but they are just starting to hit the skids a little, I think. A couple of changes for them. Out go Hanley and McPherson. In come Lemons and Sharp. And Jeremy Sharp, another debutante for the Suns. And two changes for the Saints as well. Long and Kent coming in and uh, making way for them are Parker and Savage. What's going to happen? Very rarely do you see ins for a football team being a noun and an adjective to describe that noun. So I enjoyed that. Because <laughs> yeah, Lemons are okay. sharp, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> What do you Go think? On. What do you think? Kent was long. Um, yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 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 Lemons are sharp. I, I was thinking of Old Kent Road and Monopoly. Actually. I was thinking Kent cigarettes. Um, yeah. No, I don't think of them. So, yeah, I think St Kilda can win this. I think St Kilda are well placed in terms of depth to rotate a few players around. I also think St Kilda are a team with um, most boxes tick. They've got two good tall defenders in. Um, Dougal Howard and Silly Carlisle, and Silly, he remains, but he's still having a great season. Uh, he, those two young flankers, hasn't that worked out well for St Kilda, Hunter Clark and Nick Caulfield? Because they were taken, a bit of an investment there, St Kilda. That was a draft they looked at the top 10 in, had two picks in the top 10. And it was, what was it, seven and eight? They yeah, were, or yeah, eight yeah. and nine? And you seven know, when, and eight. When you get consecutive picks in the top 10, you're expected to do something, aren't you? you? You can work a bit of a plan with two consecutives in the top 10. It's sort of like, right, you know, we're going for these types. We're going to really uh, uh, address this part of our game if there's a shortfall. And it's taken four, four years or five years for that to bear fruit, but fruit it is bearing. Geary's good up forward defensively. Look, Saints are structuring up really well, aren't they? The two rucks are working well. Gold Coast, I am surprised that they've sort of, um, the two players that have come out are more senior players because they've got some young guys there that probably need to be managed over this period, but they're going to go to that well again. I would have thought, you know, Noah Anderson, for example, he's been really good, really good, maybe in the shadow of Raoul early and Rankin later. But he's been very good, but still, he'll need a break at some point. Gold Coast have been very honest. I think that St Kilda will have too many answers for them. And also, St Kilda need to address, in a very good season, very bad third quarters. So keep an eye out for that tonight. All right. Uh, so one thing just to take into account, you know, I don't know how much stock we put in these things, but uh, whilst the Saints have won the last four meetings between these two sides, the last three 
have been decided by a total of seven points. So there's been some narrow yeah. scrapes there. Oh, they have been. There was that opening round a couple of years ago. Last year there was that. Oh, it was last year actually. There's the opening round, and then the return game was up in Northern Queensland, I think. And At, uh, was it Townsville? Yeah, was it I think, R- I think so. River Riverway Stadium. That was lucky into lucky for St Kilda, but this is a far different team. So hopefully, as a Saints fan, they can make it a more meaningful impression on the margin if they are to win. All right, Saints for me as well. Uh, Friday evening, just the one game. And this is actually the final game of round 10, just the seven games with uh, four teams having buys. And this is looking ugly for mine, uh, my boys. Essendon playing GWS 750 at Metricon Stadium. Uh, Or... Geez, I don't know. <laughs> this, this could get ugly, Finey. Uh, I think GWS going all right. Look, they haven't been great, but, um, you know, they've, they've got a, a lot more star quality than have the Bombers at the moment with their catalogue of injuries and uh, a really, really poor, insipid almost performance against Brisbane uh, last week in which they could only kick three goals. Uh, do you reckon this one's going to be a belting? No, GWS without Toby Green is GW less. They really are. Uh, Essendon, nevertheless, uh, until Stringer comes back into that team, that forward line doesn't work for mine. Are they going to play McDonald? What what forward line? Correct. Are they going to keep playing McDonald, Tip and Woody? Well, not if he can't get a touch. No, that's right. So we'll see how they go with uh, selection because that is tonight our time, this is Thursday morning. I tip GWS, maybe not as... Um, uh, I wouldn't be watching the game through sort of the gaps in your fingers covering your eyes on this one, though, Rowan. You might be pleasantly surprised for how long Essendon's in it. Oh, I think you're overstating the level of my uh, uh, optimism or understating the level of my pessimism these no, days. I, should, I, I must say, I should, re, I should recalibrate my... Rowan pessimistic scale. It might need another tweak. Yes, uh, and uh, we'll be talking about that too after the game on Footyology Final Siren. So that could be interesting, particularly if we have more technical difficulties. <laughs> Sorry, that do- that does set you aback, doesn't it? Our technical difficulties. Uh, yeah, well, it's not great for the product. Let's be honest, or for, um, or for your ticker. All for my ticker. All right, uh, GWS for both of us there. Okay, round 11 starts on Saturday afternoon. We have three games on Saturday, two on Sunday. The rest we'll be talking about in our Sunday episode. So we start at 4.05 local time, 4.35 Eastern Standard Time in Adelaide. Port Adelaide taking on Richmond. This could be the game of the year, Finey. Yeah, uh, this Richmond team under Hardwick came to my notice many years ago. I remember because it was my father's birthday and he passed away, sadly, a couple of years or later, a couple of years later. But um, we were at the RACV club in Hillsville or whatever, and Port were playing Richmond in pouring rain. And Richmond won. It was a bit of a shock. Now, why do I bring that game up? Because ever since then, Richmond have been on the steady climb to greatness. And they will not, this year, 
be stopping the train again necessarily. Just like I said, Adelaide can't win again. Maybe, yeah, maybe Richmond will lose one more game, but not a big one. That, the game they'll lose, they'll choose to lose like they often do if they've got some breathing space at the end of the year. They will beat Port Adelaide because they are in the groove again. And when Richmond's in the groove, watch out the rest of the comp. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. They're not a side that sort of drops games unexpectedly anymore, are they? And, uh, you know, we're we're now talking about a a fourth year of consistent high performance. So, uh, in fact, it was this game last year, wasn't it? I think it was round four when the Tigers were absolutely decimated by injury. No Cochin. Yeah, that's right. Martin Martin suspended, uh, Rance out and uh, rewild out, everyone out, and they won. And it proved a a real fillip for them in terms of, um, you know, just how they could go with their resources stretch. Well, I've written a column this week for Australian Community Media, which you may be able to access online in various regional papers. But uh, it was to that effect that, the deja vu is overwhelming with the Tigers just in terms of, you know, another run of injuries and unavailabilities and another cast of support players pops up and not only, you know, manages to keep the ship afloat but establishes themselves as credible selection options. It's happening again. Their confidence is up. Um, look, I think Port will give it a serious crack. I think this will be a great game, actually, but uh, I can't go past the Tigers myself. It's deja, so, it's deja vu all over again. Yes, yes. Nice <laughs> one. So Richmond for both of us there. Yep. All right. Uh, Saturday evening, uh, 7.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This one is at the Gabba. Uh, another bona fide home game. In fact, there you go. There's two on the one day. Who'd have thought? Um, it is Brisbane taking on the Western Bulldogs. Uh, two sides. Well, Bulldogs coming off a very disappointing fortnight now and Brisbane uh, certainly hoping to get its kicking boots on after that 4-17 against the Tigers. Uh, Brisbane will clearly start favourite. Uh, I wouldn't dismiss the Bulldogs though because they are a little bit unpredictable and their best is very good. What happens in this one, Finey? Uh, Brisbane get a couple of players back and they'll be able to win the game. Very, you know who's a very important player for them is um, it's sort of like the uh, the advice given by McDonald's restaurants to their clients. McStay at home and McOrder McDonald's. But McStay is important to them and he'll come back, I believe, after suspension. Uh, they need him up forward. I will be tipping Brisbane in this. They play their home ground well and they've been, we've got to show them some respect. Over the last year and a half, they've been a very good team. And Fagan will impress upon them the need to win this game. Tough opposition, Bulldogs, with their backs to the wall. But I think Brisbane will find enough, get enough ball in the forward line to have enough opportunities. Uh, they can't keep missing the big sticks, though, as you pointed out, Rohan. So very important that they do kick more accurately. I'm losing focus here, Finey. When you said McStay, I'd started doing a, a head count of all the max in the Brisbane. I. Yeah, uh, you, you know, famously they we've got we've got McInerney. Yeah, they had that they had a piece of play where it was like sort of it was um, McLuggage to Mc, this happened McLuggage Mc, McInerney <laughs> got it to McLuggage and McStay went for the mark and McCarthy kicked a goal. 
Yeah. And if Dennis Cometti had been commentating, it would have been, is this Brisbane or Party Thistle? I'm saying that the commentator had to. I was listening on radio. We've seen McInerney. No, what's his name? <laughs> I'm trying to think of it. Oh, Shane McInnes. <laughs> he should have been the caller. Shane McInnes calling. Um, but the caller, who, whoever was calling, at the end of that play, he should have said, oh, hey, great goal. <laughs> but it was on SEN, so it was that passage called for, uh, hang on, who's the sponsor with a Mac? McDonald's, they got McDonald's. Oh, yeah, of course, it probably would have been. And the other weird thing that happened then was when you mentioned Fagan, I started thinking of Oliver Twist. <laughs> well, he'd like to pick a pocket or two, and <laughs> this pocket needs to be picked, so I'm tipping Brisbane. All right, I am going for Brisbane as well. Um, all right, uh, we move to Sunday. This game at 1.35 local time, local being Perth time, which means it is 3.35 on the eastern seaboard. I do have to get that word seaboard in every week. West Coast playing Carlton. Now, Carlton uh, coming off that uh, disappointing loss to Hawthorne. Certainly disappointing given they were five goals up, kicking the first five of the game. Uh, what's going to happen in this one? Uh, Carlton often do well against West Coast. They, they seem to like the challenge of going over there, but they're staying over there. West Coast have... Certainly at home, they've looked like they've got their mojo. Kennedy's the leading goal kicker in the competition, former Carlton man. And they just got, they've got the forward line to win this game. And I think Carlton can chop out in the midfield. But unfortunately for Carlton, playing against a team like West Coast means that they're going to have to kick 13 or 14 goals themselves really to win. Because West Coast are going to get that many. I really don't see any way of stopping their offensive power. Uh, you can only match it. I don't think Carlton had the forward line to match it. It's funny, you know, you say uh, Carlton, Carlton's record against them pretty reasonable. I, I would have actually agreed with that, but uh, I've just done the numbers and it doesn't look good. It is, uh, in fact, they have lost eight of the last yeah. 10 but against have they, West Have Coast. they been competitive in some of those games? That's they all. have. That's no, my they sense, have, that they've been competitive. Um, well, the last four losses have been 24, 10, 17, and 7. Yeah, that's so, good enough. That's what I meant. That I'm glad uh, yeah. you, you've yeah. you've um, backed me up to a point, and that point is that I think they can be competitive but not win. Well, that's rare for me to back you up, as you know. Yeah, so, no, no, um, good. you know, um, I think, the, I think this game can go a similar way. Yes, yes. Well, Eagles, uh, you know, pretty confident coming off that uh, really good win over the Cats in which they came from behind and, and that on the back of a thumping win over Collingwood. Five straight now for them. Uh, yeah, looking, I, I can't, yeah, look, I think the Blues are okay. Um, I think they can play some decent footy at Optus Stadium and they did play decent footy in patches last week. I just don't see them beating West Coast right now. There's only... One side I can see beating West Coast, and uh, that is the side I think they'll be playing in the grand final whenever or wherever that is. So yeah. West Coast for both of us. Yeah, Go just a, a bit of advice for West Coast. No, for non-West Coast fans or just for any fans. As soon as the siren goes in this game, if you're listening on radio, watching on TV, make sure you turn it off. Oh, the song? Because that shit song. How could... Is there somewhere in Perth you go to get a song worse than the other song? <laughs> what don't you like about it specifically? Oh, just the uh, you know the the production number. This has been produced in LA by Pump Up Songs or Us. You know, just piss off. 
That's funny. Mining state, so th- mining state mongoose. I thought they were trying to sort of recreate the spoken word bit of the North Melbourne one. Yeah, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's uh, to me it, yeah, it, it, it was like they, it was yeah, it was like they did that, but they got Ken Doan to do it or something. <laughs> not good, not good. All right, uh, final game in this preview, not the final game of round eleven. We'll be ticking them off on Sunday, of course. Can I just say and, something? I've got to butt in. I know you hope when I do this. How can the state that gave us in excess and the due guides be so bad at music for their football teams? Uh, yeah, well, didn't uh, Eskimo Joe's another one? In fact, didn't their Musos had something to do with um, the Frio theme song? <laughs> Great. Which is the uh, the song of the vulgar boat. Oh, I don't mind that bit of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But it's it's sort of that weird sort of uh, departure from that into that free or weird yeah. go, which sounds again like a 1980s beer commercial. Not from the Gulag. Oh, you mentioned WA to me, and I think mid 1980s beer commercial, like just generally, you know. Yeah, fair enough. Um, some would argue culturally that's where they still are. And a big hello to all our listeners in Perth and all my relatives. Uh, all right, final game we're going to preview. It is 1.35 Sunday afternoon, and it is in Perth. Um, so, uh, you, no, not, no more jokes. Oh, no, it's not in Perth because that's the one we just did. I'm struggling. <laughs> Let's do that again. 5.40 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. North Melbourne taking on Melbourne Nevis, a game initially scheduled for Blundstone Oval in Hobart, North Melbourne's home ground, of course, the Quarantine changes have uh, forced the rescheduling of that. This one is at Adelaide Oval. Two sides struggling, although the Demons, uh, obviously, with uh, a bit of confidence coming out of that big win over the Crows last night. What's going to happen here, Finding? Yeah, I'm going to tip. And mainly because I think they've got the... And should have an ascendancy... So, yeah, for me, it's going to be a right, oh, I've got no do, idea. You shouldn't do that because you know the, well, uh, any, what I'm any, saying su- is, any suggestion of technical difficulties no, it's not, uh, keeps I'm, me over the edge. Well, you know what I'm saying. I can't make a case really for either of them. In the last couple of weeks, they've both shown something against, have a guess who, Adelaide. I mean, they're not great mm. teams and they're both pinged Adelaide. Oh, troopers. Um, I'm going to go for uh, Melbourne because, actually, if they can build on what Clayton, Viney and Petrarca did against Adelaide, which was really good midfield play, that'll be enough to get them over the line. Melbourne, I'm tipping. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with this one. I told um, you. You go for Melbourne now. Yeah. Well, gee, I'm, I'm just having a look at them. Wow. You talk about compelling records. So uh, Melbourne beat North uh, in 2018. That was their first win against the Roos since 2006. Mm. So it was something like 9, 12, 15. That broke a run of 17 straight defeats. Uh, And then they lost um, at the end of last year as well. In fact, last home and away game. Last year, the uh, the roos just hung on to, but yeah, look, I, I, I'm just talking rubbish here. I'm gonna tip, um, I'm gonna tip Melbourne for the very compelling reason that uh, they won last night and North Melbourne lost last night. 
Okay. Does that sound all right? Yeah, good enough. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen in that one? I mean, you can, yeah, we're both equivocating here, but you can see where we're coming from. So we are both going for Melbourne. Uh, that's it. We have uh, worked our way through um, 11 in total reviews and previews, and it's going to be like this for a couple of weeks, so stick with us. Our normal segments shall return when Footy Fest is over, but there is still another, oh, God, how many days left of this? I don't know. There's still another week of it and still another 20-odd games to get through. So uh, stick with us, folks. Um, quick shout-out to our sponsors again, Finey. You bet they're great sponsors. And 144 Bridport Street, Albert Park, Andrews Hamburgers, Loyal not only to us, Rowan, but also to their legion of customers, of which you can be one if you're within a 5K radius, 81 years and going strong. And Nick Spartels and West Point Properties, they're busy, but not too busy to take your call for a new rebuild or refurb in a city southeastern Melbourne. Rowan, that was a good show, and hopefully our previews prove accurate. And uh, you're a pretty good audience and you can support us at our Patreon page. Jump on and become an official patron of the footyology cause. And, uh, well, some uh, very, very big, I've been saying this for weeks, very big news coming your way, Re our website. All will be revealed in the next uh, 24, 48 hours. All will be revealed. Are you going full frontal on the website? <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to scare our very uh, our entire audience away. No, some big news. It will be announced, don't worry, but uh, it's pretty exciting and uh, I'll just let the uh, the pictures do the talking <laughs> in this case. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, not of uh, – I can assure everyone they are not of me. All right, uh, enjoy uh, Footy Fest, everyone. What's been, what is to come. We'll be back to uh, bring you the next thrilling instalment in it on Sunday. Until then, we'll see you later.